Welcome to Wyoming Valley Church's podcast with Pastor Todd Walker. This past Sunday in our sermon, we paused and reviewed the first two and a half chapters of 1 John because we found ourselves smack dab in the middle of the book. John has five chapters and we were two and a half chapters in. And so I thought it was time for a review. Time to look at what we had already looked at, to review, to remind ourselves. And so that's what we did this past sermon. And I couldn't help but notice something when going through those first two and a half chapters. That John gives us a bunch of tests. And these tests are to indicate who we actually are before God. So that we know. So that we don't have to guess or assume and find ourselves wrong on the last day. John wants us to know today that we can actually have confidence and assurance that we are of God. In order to do so, he gives us a bunch of tests. And I want to look at those tests here in a minute. But in order to set that up, I want to share with you a few tests that I failed in my life. Um, the first one was about fourth or fifth grade back in the day uh, when they would mix it up and let us, you know, have a fun day and let us play a game. We would play a bunch of these fun little games they would give us. And one of those games was called Heads Up, Seven Up. I don't know if you guys have ever played that game or remember that game, but the premise of Heads Up, Seven Up was pretty simple. There were two or three people that were selected to be it, and those people were going to actually choose some people. And the others would just sit in their chair, and they would put their head down when it was time to do so, and close their eyes, they couldn't look around, but they would also stick their thumbs in the air so that the people that were it could come along, and they would actually, if they wanted to select somebody, put the thumb down of the person they wanted to select. And then once everybody was chosen, uh, the people that were it would go back in the front of the classroom, and the people that had their thumbs pressed down would would wake up and decide, try to try to decide which person from the front was, was the person that selected them. And uh, I don't, I'm not really sure why they called it Heads Up 7 Up. I don't know where the 7 Up part comes from. But <laughs> anyways, <laughs> I remember cheating at this game. Uh, I don't know why I cheated. I'm not sure. I was the only one who cheated, but I did cheat at this game because you wanted to be it. And the way that you got to be it is that you you had to guess right who selected your thumb, who put your thumb down. And so... Everyone wanted to be it in this game. That was just the best part of the game, was to be it. And so the way that you got it is that you selected the right person. And so you could either just guess, or you could do something like I did, and I cheated. So I had my head down, my thumbs up, but I also had my eyes open. And I was noticing as people walked by, I was noticing what shoes they were wearing. So that when it was time to put our heads up, I would remember what shoes they were wearing, and based on whoever was in front of the classroom, I would just choose them based on whose shoes I saw when my thumb was pressed down. And I know that doesn't sound like a traditional test, but it's it's one of those things that I was tested, like everybody else in the classroom was, to see if we could choose who we thought put our thumb down. And I cheated. So that is a test that I failed. And I don't know why I cheated. I don't know if, you know, the status of fourth and fifth grade depended entirely upon being good at heads up, seven up, but I thought I needed to cheat at that game in order to, you know, gain popularity and really get a following. So I remember cheating at that game, and I don't think it was just once. I think I cheated numerous times at that game for whatever reason. But that was a test that I failed. Any any test that you cheat at, you clearly have failed that test. Another one, which isn't in a traditional test as well, in gym class, uh, this is a few years later, they were showing us a bunch of health things, you know, to help our bodies and minds be healthier. And one of these tests that they gave us was called a BMI test, which stands for Body Mass Index. And the way they did it, it was really simple. They had this little device that would come along to your arms and your legs and kind of pinch the fat. 
And based on what they were able to pinch, they would come up with a number and tell you your body mass index. And I remember when that thing came out, being kind of nervous about that, going, oh, no, you know, like, what if I have too much fat? <laughs> and I don't remember being a really husky kid, but I had this really lean kid, my friend, next to me. And uh, as the teacher went along and was pinching our little arms and legs to see how much fat we had, and then he came up with the numbers, you know, my friend was like eight. He had like a body mass index of eight. And this is one of those tests you wanted a really low score, not a high score. And then when he showed me, mine was like in the 20s. And I felt like such a fatty. I was like, oh no, you know, I failed this test. I should be thinner and leaner like my friend is. I felt like such a fatty. And who knows what that test actually proves. Uh, because I wasn't a really big kid, but I just wasn't as lean as my friend was. So that's another test that I feel like I failed because I, I feel like I should have been skinnier because everyone kind of felt bad if they were in the high 20s and 30s. But whatever, that's just another test that I remember failing and feeling bad about. Um, fast forwarding to college, my first college test was interesting too. It was in this class called Western Civ, and I don't remember liking this class. It wasn't a class I really enjoyed. Uh, I do like history, but this class just didn't jive with me. Anyways, we had our first test, and she handed back the tests after grading them. And mine just said on the test a 48. It didn't say percentage or anything like that. It just had the, the number 48 on top. And I actually got a little excited because I have had tests in high school and things like that. And sometimes they, you know, they... they judge them differently. Sometimes they're out of 50, sometimes they're out of 100. So when I saw the 48, I got kind of excited going, yay, I got a 48 out of 50. I'm doing well. Only to find out that it was graded out of 100. I had actually received a 48% on my first Western Civ test. And I was like, oh no, that's going to be really hard to come back from. And it was. A 48 is not how you want to start any uh, classroom that you have, but uh, I remember failing that test miserably and having to try to climb out of that hole, uh, which I think I did barely. Uh, not a good class for me. Another test I kind of brought onto myself uh, during my working period after college, I was working at this bank, and we had this thing called a hot pepper challenge. We were just bored one day, and there wasn't a lot of work to do, so we decided to be idiots and test ourselves to see who could take the hottest pepper. Well, kind of like, you know, stupid macho guys, everyone wants to win this test and prove that they can take the hottest pepper. So for a couple days, we were doing this test, this challenge, and I was finding myself lagging behind everybody else. So I didn't want to lose. I didn't want to be that guy that couldn't handle the heat. So it was time to handle the habanero pepper. And if you could eat the habanero pepper, you were going to get, get a lot of points and jump really ahead of the standings. And so I felt like it was time for me to take a risk. And so I said, give me that habanero. And I took the habanero, and in order to gain the points that I needed, I had to eat, eat the entire habanero at once. And so I took the habanero, I popped it in my mouth, I ate it, I swallowed it, and I didn't feel a thing. And I felt like, yes, yes, I passed this test. I'm doing well. I'm now doing what a young 20-something should do. I'm very macho now only to realize that 10 seconds went by. That was the worst decision I had ever made because I had just eaten an entire habanero and my body did not like that. My mouth was on fire. I was dizzy. I was feeling lightheaded. I thought I was having an out-of-body experience. It was horrible. But you know what? I deserved it because I, hate, I ate an entire habanero just to prove that I could take a really hot pepper, which I couldn't. I failed the test. <laughs> And then another test, uh, fast forwarding even more, 
I remember thinking uh, after I was married, you know, wanting children. I've always wanted children. I wanted to have a, a nice big family, which I do, thankfully. But uh, I remember thinking, you know, I'm looking forward to being a dad. I'm looking forward to being a parent. And I even remember right before we had children, kind of looking at those around me who did have young kids and seeing them struggle and seeing their kids act up and kind of judging them going, really? It's not that hard. What's wrong with you? Why can't you get a hold of your child? Why can't you be a better parent? And I don't remember if I ever vocalized any of this. I'm sure I did to some degree. But I remember thinking things about people going, oh, man, I'm going to be such a better parent than they are. (laughs) And then finally it was time. Janine and I got pregnant. Our first son was arriving. And I remember being excited about this, going, yes, I'm going to ace as a dad. And then the child actually came. And I didn't have a clue about anything about being a dad. And I remember being bad at almost everything. And I'm sure Janine would give me the benefit of the doubt and say it wasn't that bad. But I just remember failing at everything. I got frustrated with myself. I got frustrated with the child. Uh, I didn't have a lot of patience. I didn't have a lot of confidence in myself. (laughs) We set up really bad routines for our kid. And I just remember being a horrible parent at the beginning, failing that test, going, oh, no, it's come back to bite me. Anyways, I just want to share with a few of you those tests with you because I don't know if you're a test taker. I don't know if that's one thing you actually like to do. Back in the day, I didn't like tests. I would have preferred to evidence my knowledge by writing something because I felt like I could uh, reveal my actual mind better that way. But we're, we have to face tests all over this world. Uh, every part of our life, you have to come up, you have to pass some kind of test. And John, like I said before, brings up several of these tests in First John chapters 1 to 3. And I know that he does the rest of the chapter as well. And I just want to read a few of these tests that he gives us. And I don't really want to teach them. I just want to think about them all together. And after I read them, I'm just going to make a couple points on these tests to hopefully help us know that if we're failing these tests, it's not good, but it's also not the end of the world. And we're going to figure that out here in a minute. I just want to read a few of these passages from 1 John chapters 1 to 3, and I want you to listen and see if you can notice the tests. It starts in verse 6 of 1 John chapter 1. John says this, listen to it. He says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus' Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and the word is not in us. That's 1 John chapter 1, verses 6 to 10. Can you notice some of the tests John is giving us? If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we fail that test, we lie, and we're not practicing the truth. Because you can't walk in darkness and have fellowship with God. Those two things do not mix. So John's saying, if you're saying you have fellowship with God, yet you're walking in sin, you failed that test. You actually do not have fellowship with God. Uh, Right after that, he says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we pass the test. Because... We then fellowship with God and the blood of Jesus' Son has cleansed us from all sin. In order to pass that test, we have to walk in the light as we have claimed to be in the light and as Jesus walks in the light. Then in verse 80 says, "If if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Once again, we fail and the truth is not in us. So no one can claim to not have any sin because we're all sinners by nature and we all need the cleansing 
blood of Jesus Christ. In verse 9 he says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then he says in verse 10, If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and the word is not in us. So there's another test that we can fail simply by claiming that we have no sin. In chapter 2, it's very similar. He just goes on with these tests. He says in verse 3, And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, has failed the test again. He is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever does keep his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Do you notice that? John's giving us another test so that we can know if we're actually of God. And the way that we know it is by keeping his commandments. If you don't keep his commandments, you failed and you're actually not of Christ. If you do keep his commandments, that is proof that you actually do belong to Jesus and follow Jesus. Going on in 1 John 2, verses 10 to 11, John says this, Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. The test is very similar. If you say that you're in the light, but you hate your brother, you've actually failed the test and you're still in the darkness because no one can be walking in the light while hating their brother. And no one can love their brother and not be in the light. So that is one way that we know that we are in the light versus if we're in the darkness. We must walk in the light, which means we must obey. We must love in order to be in the light. John 2.15 says this, Do not love the world or the things in the world. Here's the test. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. There it is. If anyone loves the world... They do not have the Father's love in them. So the test is, who do you love? Do you love the world? If so, you don't have God's love residing in you. And if you love God, of course, you don't love the world, and therefore you're of Christ. 1 John 2, 24-25 says this, Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you, if what you heard from the beginning abides in you then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. That's a really big test. Because John says, if you abide in him, which means you continue in Jesus Christ, you remain in Jesus Christ, you will pass the test. And you will get the reward for passing the test, which is eternal life. And the way that you pass the test is simply by clinging to Jesus following him, obeying him, being near him, not leaving his, his fold, not leaving his presence. And in 1 John 3, one more test we'll look at. This is what he says in verses 6 to 10. He says, No one who abides in him, in Jesus, keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. 
the test there is very simple as well. He's saying whatever you practice is what you are. So if you're saying you're of Christ, yet you practice sin, you failed once again, and you're actually not of Christ. But if you do practice righteousness, you've passed the test, because that is the test of knowing that you're actually of Jesus Christ. And so he says in verse 10, it is evident who are the children of God. It is evident if you've passed the test or have you not passed the test by the practices of your life. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. There are some tests in 1 John and the tests sort of continue. John is going to use this theme for the rest of the book because he doesn't want us to guess, doesn't want us to assume. And I looked at these tests going, it's a little severe. It feels severe for John to give us all these tests and for for God to give us all these tests and go, you know what, God, I don't really like tests. That's not a really comforting thing for me to know that if I'm not passing these tests today, that I'm not really a child of God. That's a severe thing to know. That's a harsh thing to think about. And yet, if we have the proper perspective, which is what we've been talking about on Sundays, if we don't pass these tests, it's actually a gift of love to know that because that's exactly why John is telling us these things so that we can change, so that we can turn to Christ while there's still time. It's not harsh. It's actually the greatest act of love to show us right now that we're not of Christ instead of letting us assume that we are and then to find out on the last day when we are judged that we're not in Christ. Because if that's the case, then we're gone from God forever and we only have eternal punishment and darkness awaiting us. But if we fail the test now, although that's not the goal and that is a bad thing to fail these tests, it's not the end of the world because we can change that today. We don't have to continue on the wrong path if we find ourselves on the wrong path. We can turn, we can make a U-turn and, and turn around and go to Jesus Christ and, and start living and functioning the right way according to truth. And tests aren't really a fun thing for most of us. We don't like to be tested. We don't like to, for us to know and for other people to know that we're not quite as with it as we have once assumed or told people that we are. In Christianity, once you start peeling a few layers from 1 John, you may start to realize that you're not exactly with it like you thought you were. And that can be a very embarrassing and harsh thing to know, but it's not the end game. The end game is for you to pass the ultimate test on the last day, which is to be in Christ. I mean, that's simple. That's the only test on the last day. If you're in Christ, you're going to eternal life with God. If you're not in Christ, you're going to be cast away from him forever. So God has to test us now in order for us to pass the last great test. And so John gives us several, half a dozen tests here at least, in the first three chapters so that we can know right now, today, if we're of Christ. And if we are of Christ, we're passing the test and we should continue going forward in that direction. But if we're not, if we're failing the test today, and we can be honest about that today, we can change that. More importantly, God can change that by turning to Christ and confessing our sins to God, confessing the fact that we have not passed these tests and we're not who we think we are. God will cleanse us. He will heal us. That's the whole point of these tests. It's so that you and I can have confidence on the last day because the tests now are a big deal. It's not a good thing to fail these tests, but it's much, much worse to fail the last test on the last day. 
And God is giving us books like 1 John so that we can test ourselves now. Because now, if we fail, there's mercy. On the last day, if we fail, there's only condemnation. If you and I fail the test today, let's own up to it before God. Let's turn to Christ. Let's start walking the right way. Let's endure. Let's abide. Let's continue. Let's obey. So that on the last day, we can stand before God in confidence, saying, God, test me. Test my life. Look at my practices. They weren't perfect. I'm going to need the blood of Jesus Christ, of course. But you will find the evidence that I was in Christ. You will find the evidence that I did love your son. You will find the evidence that I walked in the light, that I did love my brother, that I did practice righteousness. And then God will say, you've passed, child. You are in my son. Eternal life is yours. Come and receive it. And I hope that's a blessing to you today, to look at these tests, to really be honest about where you are so that you can find true health, true security, true peace forevermore. Because following Jesus is the way that we pass every single test God gives us. May we all listen to that today. May we all be honest about where we are. And may we all go the right direction this way. For Christ's sake, most importantly, but also for ours. I thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to the Wyoming Valley Church Podcast. Join us for worship Sunday mornings beginning at 1030. We're located in the Dolphin Plaza on Highway 315 in Wilkesbury. Learn more about us at wyomingvalleychurch.org. Wyoming Valley Church, a place where all are welcome.